All right, welcome to Data Hurls. My name is Michael Burke. And I'm Chris Detzel. And today we're going to talk about data. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, aren't you? Absolutely. Welcome to another Data Hurdles. I'm Chris Detzel and... I'm Michael Burke. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing really oh, well. I'm really excited about this. Oh, which Chris were you talking about? Oh, Ooh, that was a game changer. Yeah. <laughs> so well, normally I ask Chris Detzel, but today we've got a special guest, Chris Pardo. Chris, how are you doing? Doing really well. Doing really well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Today we are going to talk about the day in the life of becoming a chief data officer. Um, but before we do that, this is the last week of June, uh, second to last week of June, and it is a long weekend. Do you guys have any fun plans before we dive into the hot topic? Uh, for me, I'll be doing some typical running and uh, and, and I'm gonna get ready for some procedure that I'm not gonna talk about today, but uh, um, I'm gonna have my kids for Father's Day and we'll do some Father's Day-like stuff. Uh, so that's going to be really cool. How about you, Pardo? We're excited to have you on, by the way. No, I'm excited to reconnect with old friends. So I'm really happy to be here. Um, yeah, I haven't even thought that far. Just trying to get through the week. Uh, I'll probably just hang out, maybe binge watch a few episodes of uh, Ted Lasso. Finally got the Apple TV awesome. subscription. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great so far. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I've got, I'm behind on my mileage, Chris, as, as you guys know, um, we've got, uh, Chris and I have been training for a half marathon coming up in October. And so I have to run, Chris is holding me accountable, Chris Detzel, to 15 to 20 miles a week. And I didn't run yesterday, so I'm behind. So I have to go for like a seven mile run this weekend, <laughs> which I'm not looking forward to, but it is supposed to be hot. So anyways, let's jump into it. Um. Chris, thank you again for joining. We really appreciate it. The you know main topic that we're focusing on here is navigating the journey of becoming a chief data officer. So to kick things off, can you share a little bit about your journey and background that led you to your first CDO role? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, it's interesting because when we when we joined Reltio, we we wrote a journey line, uh, kind of the origin story. So I actually it was a good it was a really good exercise to. Kind of just kind of understand how you got there, um, and for me, um, you know, understanding where like what 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 took place for me to become CDO, it wasn't really a line. It was almost like a <laughs> the opposite of a straight line. Um, so I would, I would summarize uh, my my journey in, in, in I guess three ways. So first ten years really technical. Uh, worked at IBM, wrote device drivers, uh, programmed down to the metal. Uh, eventually uh, worked in their middleware. Uh, and then eventually I left IBM, went to a company called Pervasive Software. Uh, and that, that company was almost like Workado before Workado, uh, basically source target and then transformation in between. But that's kind of where I learned about business systems, right? Learned about CRMs, ERPs, and things like that. Um, and then, you know, while the main thing was integrating the systems, right, the one thing that was common was you're always just making sure that you're uh, passing data around, right, records around. <laughs> Um, so, uh, even if you have garbage in, then you have garbage in your target system, right? Um, so that was a great experience. Learned about, uh, systems as well as integration, uh, went to a company called national instruments after that. Uh, and then I was actually a, uh, a PL SQL programmer. Um, so one day I was, uh, running a query on customer list and I found out about, found out about DNB. I always found the Duns number, 
um, and, and some of the attributes that return back from my queries. And, you know, I was like, what's the Duns number? And then after that, um, it kind of led down a rabbit hole of why, why it's really important to have reference data, like really good reference data. Um, and we had gotten um, DB data from a flat file, um, which was good. You know, we got data in bulk, uh, but it wasn't real time. Uh, and then eventually found an opportunity at DNB. Uh, and then that opportunity was being uh, API product manager for Hoover's API. Uh, they eventually uh, wanted me to work on DB Direct, which was the, um, uh, the enterprise API. Uh, but from there, it was great. Uh, it was a great way to see uh, why it's important to get data uh, real time or on demand. Uh, and then the different types of things you could do, right? You get a record, you could do a lookup on the record, and you know that you have the right data at the right at the right time. Um, and then you could do things like analytics on top of that as well. Um, but time at DMB was great. Worked on the API, uh, worked on partnerships because APIs provide give you the ability to actually create different forms of uh, distribution. Um, so worked on partnerships with Salesforce, Oracle, Microsoft. Uh, eventually led innovation uh, at DNB uh, for the sales and marketing business unit, uh, and then thought about a lot of innovation strategies. So was there for about 10 years, uh, met Manish during that time. Manish was starting off uh, Reltio, I think in 2013, 2012, uh, and then he was one of our partners. So it was really good to see his view on uh, cl cloud master data management. Uh, cool. Left... Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. It was, um, you know, he had, I think, maybe five or 10 employees. And, you know, you he, he, he heard him talk about his vision. And, you know, he sold me on day one. And that was back in 2013. <laughs> yeah. DMB is such a funny uh, company to me, too. Like, you know, they're like a 1000 years old. Didn't they start off doing like paper master data? Wasn't that like their initial thing? Like they'd go door to door to collect information about people and keep logs like 300 years ago, right? Or something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. It's absolutely right. Yeah, they go to... Yeah, no, no, so it's no joke. This is like a real it. thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's this a, this is a real, real thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. 180 years. <laughs> 300 so we years ago? Had, Come on. So uh, 180 years. So, okay. so so we had four presidents that were, were DMB employees, right? Uh, so Abraham Lincoln and three other presidents. I can't remember. I should remember it. Um, uh, but Abraham what they did Lincoln. was, they, yeah, Abe Lincoln, man. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. yeah. 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 Um, Keep going. Sorry. I'm just shocked. Yeah. So what's interesting is you, you could see kind of the evolution of the business, right? In a lot of different ways, right? Obviously it's 180 years, 180 years old. Um, but, um, it started off as, you know, if I'm going to buy from a company or sell to a company, what is their credit? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, are they going to be around? You know, do they have people working there? So people would actually go door to door knocking and then see whether or not, you know, it's a viable business, right? And then they would, you know, take down their notes on, in paper. And then that's effectively what, you know, the credit, right? The business credit. Uh, and eventually, fast forward, you know, that's still their core competency. You know, uh, if I, you know, if I buy from a business or sell to a business, are they going to be able to, you know, you know, pay me, right? Um, yeah. So what's interesting is that when you sign up for DMB, um, you know, you want your business credit rated just like your own personal credit. Yeah. Um, and then in doing so, you could say, yes, I want to be marketed to you. Uh, and then that's how they built their database of 500 million companies over over time. Right. And then because you have a data asset that's that big, uh, the idea is you can move to adjacent areas. So that's very fascinating. So I see a lot of companies that have a very unique way of sourcing data. 
they source it and they collect it and they can move to these adjacent markets. Yeah, yeah I didn't I didn't mean to sidetrack oh, us really too cool. much, but, 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 but I think it's go ahead, Chris. No, gonna... which Chris? <laughs> you should say Detzel or Pardo. Um, yeah, go ahead, Detzel. Yeah, this is only one great, by the way. That's how I would do it. This is how I would do it. I just have a thought or, or, or just a, a statement because this is really cool. So uh, I get to go to a lot of or some of the Gartner events and Forrester events. Every single time I see DMB or when I talk to DMB on some of my, I call them community shows or webinars, they, they say, hey, how's Pardo doing? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't work here anymore, you know. But you know, I'm sure he's really good. He's he's doing really well. He's a CDO now and everything else. So, yeah, I just sorry think, to make those conversations awkward. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's, I think that's awesome because what you've done there is people highly respect you because people are like, yep. Pardo was awesome. You know what I mean? Like, you probably haven't. I'm sure you've heard that about yourself before, but. I've heard it when when I'm just hanging out with uh, DMB people, <laughs> you know. So, anyways, go ahead, Michael. Thought you should know that. No, I yeah, I was just I, I was just going to say the same thing. Like DMB is such a cool company. I think in every data professional's career, at some point, you start to realize that you're peaking maturity when you know about DMB, all these other big providers, mm -hmm. how they work, how to mix data in, and the stories of how they came to be. It's just incredible. Like 180 years is just that kind of history, it doesn't happen, you know, to every company. It doesn't happen to a small fraction of companies. Um, and just how they've maintained control on this niche market is just incredible. And they're so valuable today. Like every, every large business uses them. For those that don't work in the data space, they are probably one of the biggest data providers in the world. Um, and an incredible company. Yeah, and it's the most uh, fundamental thing, right? If you're transacting with a company, tell me, tell me information about that company. Yeah. 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 And Chris, I, I uh, you know, I really appreciate that. I mean, it was, it was a great experience there. And, you know, when I was there, I just worked hard and, you know, uh, try to be a nice person. So I think that's kind of the impression I left there. So um. I think so. It was a very good impression, but yeah. we digress a little bit. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, let's move on. So Chris, uh, after DMB, what was next in your career? I'd love to hear the journey line to where we get to CDO. That's great. Yeah, so that's kind of where, you know, the line is becoming more squiggly. Um, so, um, yeah, I went to Microsoft. Uh, always wanted to, to work at Microsoft. And then when I when I went there, you know, my parents are very happy because <laughs> they know about Microsoft. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> um, so what I did was it was a um, uh, it was a combination of finance and operations. So the idea was, you know, how do we make um, all of Office, so that's Office, uh, SharePoint, uh, Teams, how do we make the, those programs more efficient, right? So basically driving down cost, um, and then you would do things like you work with engineering teams to you know, see whether or not their programs are inefficient. So maybe a program's constantly pulling for a resource uh, when it really should be more event-driven, right? Or you might be using a component on Azure um, that, um, uh, that might be using SSD as opposed to, you know, a different type of storage, right? Yep. So there's different ways of optimizing things. And then it seems like really small things, but at the scale of Microsoft, that could be very big, right? Um, so that was great. It was great to, you know, really work with engineering teams, understand SharePoint teams and also um, Outlook. Um, yeah, that was a really good experience. And then, um, you know, went to Azure briefly working on Purview. Um, you know, well, I was going to work on Purview, but then Manish uh, gave me a call and he said, hey, 
would love you to join. Um, you know, it'd be great if you focused on ecosystem strategy. Um, you know, I think with my background with DNB, working with all these different companies, right? Every time you transact with a company, it's good to actually do a lookup through DNB. Uh, and then when you're doing integration, having that Dunn's number as the identifier is really good, right? It helps with the uh, the matching. Yeah. Um, and then even before that, my integration experience at Pervasive Software was good. Um, so he wanted me to work on ecosystem strategy. So, you know, what are some of the companies we could work with? Uh, you know, MDM or Realtio's best of breed MDM, right? But then you need stuff that happens before it gets to MDM or happens after, right? So how do we think about some of those partnerships and how do you think about making those partnerships more strategic? Um, yeah, so that was a really good experience. Uh, learned a lot from Anish. Um, yeah, and then and then create a partnership with DNB. Um, I'm not sure if all the details have been released yet, but I, I'm really hopeful that you know that partnership will be pretty large for RLTO. Um Around the same time, um, I had been talking to this company, Apex Analytics, uh, since 2018. So kept in touch with them. Yeah, yeah. So it's always so. I guess the other takeaways, you know, always have a conversation, right? <laughs> so I met I met the exec team at Apex um, 2018. Um, they were starting their API. Uh, they had saw they saw that I was API product manager at DNB. Uh, we exchanged some ideas. Um, and then that led to, well, how do you think about partnerships? Uh, and it was always kind of a informal um, relationship. And then around the same time, uh, their former CIO retired. Um, and then eventually they wanted me to, you know, take over some of his duties, right? Uh, so he was a CIO and then, you know, part of the CIO, CIO job is data governance. Um, so my role, which is chief data officer, is data governance in addition to data monetization. So it's kind of a dual role uh, where you need to, you know, work with all these data providers in addition to the data assets that we source uh, and then unlock the business value, right? Make sense of all the data, unlock the business value, and then open it up to the rest of the world, right? Not normal for a CDO, but I think it will be trending that way, right? Once you have a yep. data asset, how do you monetize it? So that's kind of what you're seeing with all these marketplaces like Snowflake and Databricks. They're all having these data offerings, right? Because if you're spending all this time and energy creating this data set, you might as well have everybody reap the benefits too. Yeah. So, it, you know, I think it's so interesting that company in in the same way that DMB evolved, even though it's, you know, not as old, right? It also evolved from paper records. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So you know, uh, the history as as far as I know it, uh, just walking the halls of Apex, um, started off as. Um, you know, people looking at paper invoices, right? So let's say that, you know, we start a company tomorrow, you know, Michael, Chris, and Chris, I'll be the, I'll be the second Chris, um, you know, <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> let's say that, <laughs> let's say that, um, uh, you know, we, we, we want to run the business, right? So to do that, we got to buy stuff, right? Um, so we might double pay the companies that we buy from, right? Uh, so the company started off looking at paper invoices to find those double payments, right? And then that, that's when they would actually charge, right? Uh, it may not be a big deal if, you know, it's a company that we start, right? Maybe eventually it'll be a big, you know, big company. Um, but if you're a Walmart or Disney and you find a double payment, and then that, that could be millions of dollars, right? So it kind of makes sense to work with us because the ROI is almost infinite, right? Once you find that double payment, uh, then, then you know, that's kind of when Apex gets paid, right? Um, 
And then uh, the other part of that, and they created software to basically digitize that process. They created software to look for signals before a double payment is made, right? Um, so it kind of makes sense, right? If you're one of these big companies who have all these systems, who have all these moving parts, it makes sense to work with us, right? Um, and then the other part is, um, uh, so uh, our executive team was out at Disney. Disney was the audit client. Uh, and then they had a they wanted to solve for supplier onboarding, right? So if I buy from a company, you know, are they who they say they are? Um, are they on an OFAC watch list? You know, can I trust them? Ultimately, can I trust them? And then once I onboard them, once I get them in my system and once I start buying from them, can I continue to trust them, right? You know, how's their credit, right? Are they, you know, are they are they still who they say they are? Uh, and things like that. So we have kind of this interesting product continuum where it's, you know, work with us for free. We'll find you a double payment or prevent it. That's kind of when we get paid. And then, you know, if you find that double payment, we're effectively returning millions of dollars to you. Why don't you use some of that money to actually buy our supplier software, right? So we can help you uh, manage your ongoing risk. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the, the 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 business. So it's very interesting. Uh, again, like there's a lot of data uh, sourcing. Uh, so my job is to make sense of all that data. And then the other part is, you know, once we source all this data and create a really good data asset, uh, how do we actually expose it to the rest the rest of the world? So, yeah. So it's it's so interesting to me that you have this company that has kind of evolved and transformed their business strategy, um, similar to D&B is. You know, and it, I don't know if this is a trend, Chris, of working for older companies that are kind of uh, in this process <laughs> yeah, of transforming, <laughs> right? Relative is too new. Relative is too new. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is it is incredible to me. Um, you know, as a CDO stepping into that, I'm sure you've got a lot of people who are kind of stuck in the traditional way of doing things and you know maybe another group that's seeing the light of this future how do you drive and manage expectations in an environment like that um and and really like stepping into that what was your experience like on day one as a new cdo right yeah that's a it's a very uh it's a very hard question to answer um what I would say is constantly evangelize, right? This is the vision. Uh, you know, um, we we have this asset that we have built over time, and it could be the future of the business, right? Um, but yeah, to your point, it's it's a it's a older company, and then you know the things that made sense to do back then, it may it, there's room for improvement, right? Uh, and again, like it's one of those things where you want to deliver slices of value, right? As opposed to having these big these big projects, right? Um, yeah, so I think it's evangelizing, getting mindshare, getting and eventually getting alignment once you have the mindshare, uh, and then delivering the slices of data, uh, slices of value, right? Not having these big, you know, these big replatforming projects. Just start with one domain, one problem, and then go after it. Um, that's what I would say. Yeah, and then you have all the tactical things like, okay, there's on-premise stuff, there's cloud stuff. How do you, how do those things talk to each other? But I think in principle, um, really evangelizing the vision, uh, getting uh, or delivering slices of value early and often, uh, and then everything else will follow. Really interesting. So I, I know that a lot of the people on this call are probably younger, earlier in their career. Uh, hopefully we have some of the CDOs that we've uh, reached out to listening as well. But, you know, for those that are looking to step into a CDO role, um, what advice can you give them? And also maybe if you can share some of the stories of, you know, your first 90 days, if there was anything interesting 
uh, stepping into this role that you had to learn quickly? Yeah, I mean, CDO is uh, a very interesting role, right? It's a combination of several disciplines, right? It's understanding of data, right? Understanding of systems, right? Uh, understanding of the older technology and how that works with newer technology. Um, but I think the overall thing, it's, it's a people. It's a people, um, like understanding people is the, the most important thing, right? Yeah. Uh, the people that you're working with, right? In terms of technology, the domain owners and what's what's valuable to them. Uh, making sure everybody gets in a room and gets aligned, right? So it's cross-discipline, as with everything, right? Um, I think that's kind of uh, the, the main things uh, when I think about being CDO. And then for me, the first 90 days, uh, really understanding the people that uh, you know I'll be working with, understanding the products, understanding how data flows from source to target, uh, and then the normal things, right? Data quality, and then even before you get to data quality, you know, uh, provenance or lineage or observability are very important. Um, but yeah, I think in principle, like really just understanding the lay of the land, understanding the people, understanding the value or what's valuable to the business owners. Um, yeah, I think those are very important. And again, like CDO, um, yeah, I think the CDO position will evolve to, okay, now that I have this, you know, curated data asset, how do I monetize it? <laughs> Uh, and then that's like a whole other component where it's more of a GTM thing, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And, and your previous experience, you know, working at Microsoft, down in Bradstreet, Reltio, how did these roles prepare you to take on this leadership role? Because you have a lot more direct reports now, too, than you've had previously as well. And I'm, I'm assuming a lot more responsibility, right, in driving this change across the business. Yeah, you know, I'm still trying to figure out if I could somehow get more hours in a day. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know if you have any solutions to that. Um, and and I had uh, several dark reports at, at DNB, so it's uh, it's you know it's it's very similar. Um, yeah. Um, I was very lucky that when um, uh, when CIO retired, he had a really great team, uh, almost self-functioning, right? Um, so I could focus on strategy, um, you know, so really building up the team, making sure that they're self-sufficient, making sure that everybody has swim lanes, right? You don't want a lot of collisions, right? Uh, I think the team is really number one. And I believe in service leadership where, you know, it's the inverted pyramid and then the leader sits at the bottom it's a, and basically just enables everybody, right? Yep. Um, yeah, so I'm very, I'm very fortunate to have a really good team. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know... How is this experience so far? Because, you know, you're fairly new in the tenure of taking on this role as a CDO. How do you feel like it's impacted your um, career, but also your thought process, right? Uh, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of learnings that you've already had to step into. Um, has it changed the way that you think about anything within uh, the data sphere and driving change? Um, What's interesting is that, you know, even though I look young, I'm really old. I'm not going to tell you the age, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's patterns, right? Everywhere you go, there's patterns. So uh, there's patterns when it comes to the organization of data. There's patterns when it comes to technology. There's patterns when it, when it comes to building product and also go to market. Uh, so I would say it's very experiential, right? Yeah. Uh, stepping into the role, I'm like, oh, like this is what we did at Relto. This is what we did at DMB. This is what we did at IBM, right? Um, so I guess really just, you know, when you have those experiences, you know, 
connect them to what you're doing right now. And not that's that shouldn't mean that you dictate that your experiences should not dictate what you should do, but it should give you some type of perspective, right? Um, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. And and so far, can you share any success stories that you've had in this role? Um, I know that we talked about it uh, a little bit earlier, but like notable achievements that resulted um, in this current business, right? Um, because I, I, I do think that, you know, there probably is uh, some differences, right, that you're experiencing with the type of reporting, and, and maybe not. Maybe you've had these experiences all, and this is kind of, you know, a smooth trajectory from a lot of the people that I've talked to in the past when they step into that role, there is kind of this... Um, you know, giving up of, of what they thought the power and control they had on things. And it sounds like you've already, you know, um, touched upon that a little bit by managing from the bottom up. Um, can you describe that to, to our listeners a little bit, especially those that haven't had those experiences? What is it like leading from the bottom up, right? Uh, how do you keep people in those swim lanes? And what do you do when there is a point of contention or you need to realign things? Uh, how do you manage those situations? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's constantly evolving. Uh, I think number one is trust, right? Trust of the people that that are on your team, right? And then that trust will kind of bubble down. Um, and then it's hard, right? Because you got to blend trust with accountability, right? You, can, you want to trust them too much to where they don't deliver, right? <laughs> um, so I think that it can be done with proper goal setting and things like OKRs and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there there are two things, right? Uh, you know. Providing the psychological safety is very important when building a team. Um, you know, if they feel <laughs> if, they, if, they, if people don't feel safe at work, they're not going to perform. Um, and then you know, making sure it's fun as well, right? So one of my one of my uh, former bosses at DMB was a, a guy named Michael Bird. Still keep in touch with him, but he was the CEO of Net Prospects. Uh, when we acquired them, he became my boss. Um, he was like, "Yeah, it's all about you know what you're doing and who you're doing it with," right? So for me, that's kind of a core principle. And then for me, and then hope, hopefully the team will see that as well. If, if the work is meaningful and fun, and then if the people around them are great to work with, then I think that they'll build a, build a really good culture. Um, and then more important things for me are, another important thing for me is diversity, right? So you have the normal vectors of diversity. You have you know gender and race and things like that. Uh, so definitely very important to have a diverse team, but also div diversity in terms of experience, right? So, you know, I might have somebody who's brand new to data science or somebody that's brand new to integration or somebody that's came from a, a liberal arts background that wants to be technical, right? Or I have, you know, people that are very tenured. I think having that mix is kind of where innovation happens. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And, you know, leading data teams, the most successful data teams I've ever had are when you have a strong diversity of, of culture, personalities, backgrounds, education. Everybody brings a different view to a complex problem. And inherently, that helps you resolve as many of those blind spots as possible ahead of time, which you wouldn't have otherwise seen. Um, Chris, yeah. Pardo, thank you so much for your time. This was an incredibly helpful and insightful podcast. Really appreciate you joining us, especially when you're this busy. You know, we'll try to work on finding you more hours in the day. My recommendation is coffee and Red Bull, but not everybody can digest that much <laughs> caffeine. So <laughs> uh, thank you again, though. We really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is really good, uh, Chris, and appreciate uh, you coming on. And, you know, 
Thank you everyone for coming on or listening to another Data Hurdles. Please rate and review us. My name is Chris Detzel and... I'm Michael Burke. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Bardo. Thank you, everyone.